Compassion is the key to life. Compassion is the key to life. There's no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing as perfection. If you think you have to be right, could win the battle but lose the fight. There's no such thing as perfection. Take this lesson home. Compassion is the key to life. Learn this lesson well. Compassion is the key to life. Compassion is the key to life. Give compassion to it. Compassion that begins with you. You've got to give yourself love to have love to give. And that begins with Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That's the name of the show. It stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Deja vu. I am once again on L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. How apropos. You thought you escaped, yet the status quo remains week after week. You're on L-W-A-F-L-M-O. <laughs> uh, see? Nothing's changed. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We watch a full-length movie with you, let us. And we want you to listen to the podcast and watch a full-length movie, a feature-length movie, on YouTube at the same time. Yeah. You want more information? The reason why we say the acronym at the start of the show is because that is the official name of our podcast. So if you'd like to subscribe as much as we want you to, go to L-W-A-L-F-M-O-Y-T. Why don't you make it an experience? We stream this show first on mutinyradio.fm. Uh, just go to that website, and you'll be directed to a live feed. You could cut and paste that feed into your streaming service, which is what I do on my podcast app. And you can listen to us every Sunday, 
2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where I'm from, or 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where Carl is from. I'm from. And make it a day. Yeah, well, that's where you're from. And uh, right before the show, of course, is a great show, The Edge of Insanity with Paul Brumbaugh. We just like to promote Paul Brumbaugh's show. We would like to promote Mutiny Radio. Wait to go to Venmo and donate to at Mutiny Radio. We also have a great YouTube channel. Uh, I have to promote it, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. Carl's taken previous movies, previous episodes, sync them up. Yeah. Well worth a watch and a subscription. And we are, of course, on Facebook as Let's Watch a Full Night Movie on YouTube. Carl, what is the movie we're watching this week? Okay, it is not a feature-length movie. It is The Castaways on Gilligan's Island. It's a TV show. Curse you for making me watch this. The Castaways on <laughs> Island. <laughs> Curse me? We haven't even started one second of this uh, hour, this 70-minute-long uh, full-length movie, feature-length. It's going to be a theme. Movie? Uh, the channel we like is MASHFAN72, all one word. So it's you put in your YouTube search right. the engine, the castaways on Gilligan's Island. It's 1979. You're okay. not that in, and it's MASHFAN72. Hit the pause. By the way, we hate all MASHFANS. That show's way overrated. <laughs> oh, do you think that's what they mean? 72? Probably. Yeah. He was born in 72. His parents made him watch uh, Gen X television, and he's a confused guy. <laughs> oh, by the way, this, this uh, television show, this movie is based on a television show. Uh, I just played the, I just went to the link. So, you know what, I'll, I'll save the speech, but go ahead, type in the Castaways on Gilligan's Island movie, and you'll get to MashFan72's page. Click the link, hit pause, move the timer back to 000, which is I am trying to do here in real time at the Mutiny Radio Studios. And once you are ready, we are going to count down, and at the same time, we're going to hit play and experience the castaways on Gilligan's Island at the same time. Uh, so, without further ado, to kick off our countdown, we please welcome the Paul Brumbach. So let's get this started. I am, I am ready. It was a live show. We're very excited to have Paul here as our countdown gentleman. Let's get ready to Brumbach. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to Okay, so, let's get ready to Brumba. And now, what you've all been waiting for, Master of the Descending Numerals. The Countdown King himself. Would you please welcome, Mr. Paul Brumba? Alright guys, you know the drill. Put that finger right over that triangle and do it in three, two, one, go. TV show. Not a movie. show. So this is the same original 60s uh, intro, but so yep. this is the 79 movie. You see how young they look right so he's, there? But he's older now. Right. Oh, so this is the original. Uh, but the original cast is not in this TV movie, right? There's one got replaced. Ginger got replaced. The rest of them, it's legit. The rest were like, the money's fine. The money's fine. I'll take it. I feel like Russell Johnson is being asked to reprise any 50s sci-fi movies. Here they are. There's the true star, the fucking asshole boat that killed them all. <laughs> so he's older now. Bob Denver. Alan Hale, no longer a junior. Jim Backus, the greatest actor ever. 
Natalie Schaefer, the professor's wife. Ooh, also introducing Judith Baldwin as the replacement, Russell Johnson, and good old Don Wells, who probably has the best head on her shoulders from the castaways on Jamie. Yeah, Dan. yeah, she does. Now you let. So this TV show was on during the 60s on CBS, but the popularity of the syndication for the next two decades, uh, they started doing new projects on other networks. So this is a there was a cartoon show on NBC. There was a Gilligan's Planet as well. There was like a 70s cartoon and an 80s cartoon. And then they started making TV movies. Well, you know this, Carl. I made you watch this and research this. Yeah, that's right. And you're nailing it. Um, and what's interesting to me is that this was a show on CBS, and what we're watching right now is on NBC. I bet you there was some scandal. Like, you know, no way are we doing Gilligan's Island again. Fine, I'll go to NBC. Will you just do that then? This is our generation breaking bad spinoff on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're like, why don't you show it on AMC first? No, no, just that important story about Jesse has to be aired on, in, on Netflix. So important. It's so important to add 90 more minutes of fucking Breaking Bad. Thank I you, Netflix. I enjoyed that, but, but you're right. It was unnecessary. I enjoyed it just because it was nostalgic. Is that the word? It's a little too young to be nostalgic, but... Uh... Yeah, uh, back when the time that show was still on the air. I mean, it was all well acted and well done, but it's just whatever. I don't... It's Netflix is so disposable, I've discovered in, in, uh, in quarantine, where you go... Whoa, there's a new Will Ferrell movie. All right, I'm going to watch it. I watched it. Now I don't have to ever think about it ever again. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like Quality level. It's, but guess, check this out, Mike. This is pretty cool. Uh, my sons are into Breaking Bad. The littlest one, just because the older ones are. They, they don't even, you know, understand yeah, sure. it. But, uh, by the way, full disclosure, one is 20 and one is 18, okay? I'm not raising uh, seven-year-olds watching, uh, you know... Uh, crystal meth shows. <laughs> okay, so they insist go to the movie theater and watch this. This was we saw this in New York and Yonkers on the silver screen. Breaking Bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, this new what was the new one? El Camino. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Right. El Camino. All right. We're missing the movie. We're Which missing the is... movie now. What's happening here is. They had a tropical storm from the last reunion show. It washed them back onto the island. But now the hurricane made all of the fresh water salt water. Uh, so they have no water to drink. So they're trying to figure a way to dig wells. Right. Oh, Dunwell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He sits on the golf club. Now, listen, I got to tell you, all this whole stuff, it's not funny. It's not funny. Uh, the, the professor getting, uh, you know, the skipper getting bonked in the head, Gilligan saying stupid stuff. Now, the professor's got the Are you the saying that you thought it was funny? No, it was not. Yeah, go ahead. The professor's got the radio fixed, and now they're learning that they're calling off the search for the Minnow 2 because uh, they're, you know, they just think the castaways are dead. Ho, ho. Oh, that's a bummer way to start. Though. The worst morning show ever. <laughs> now, Gilligan is the one that got them shipwrecked a second time, of course, so they're all giving them shit right now. Yeah, so the Minnow 2, so the first TV movie, they 
left the island and they left right. on a newly Christian minnow two, and then the same thing happened as the minnow one. Exactly right. They got blown back. Okay, so now Gilligan's moping around, but he's discovered something. This show is so stupid, Mike. Curse you, curse you. <laughs> he's found a propeller. Uh -oh. Okay, and an engine. Oh, great, gosh. Propeller? <laughs> Could it be a plane? It's a tit. Oh, it's not. It's an extra. Ooh. <laughs> I thought it would be something extraordinary, but it's just a plane. It's a tit. Now, wow. did they not find this three years on the island, you know? <laughs> Well, no, no, no. It landed the three hours trip to take to go back to civilization on the Minnow 2 that, uh, during that time span. The, well, I guess you're right. Yeah, three seasons. They never knew there was a fucking plane on the island. Right. It was. He's Right now, the professor's like, it was overgrown by the jungle. Russell Simmons, uh, Russell Simmons, Russell uh, Johnson, yeah. the professor, he's like my favorite. Oh, okay. He's in a lot of B movies. Did you yeah. know that he was a serious ass pilot in uh, World War Two? Interesting. Yeah. So this must be easy. This must be therapy being on Gillian's Island. Experience <laughs> the horrors of World War Two and then exactly. spend your career, uh, you know. But it really was it hard because he was shot down. They were doing like this low-level bombing strafing run against Japanese military targets in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And they got shot down, and Johnson broke both of his ankles. Um, he flew 44 wow. missions in the Pacific Theater during World War II as a bombardier. He wasn't the pilot. A bombardier Whoa. in a B-25. B now, honestly, doesn't he look like my late father after a couple of drinks? <laughs> <laughs> Back when my dad had hair. But with better hair, I was thinking that. Yeah, better hair. Yeah, absolutely. With hair. Let's, let's be honest. Oh, Gilligan's back on the grass. On every chance he gets, Bob Denver. He was, uh, so Gilligan, do you remember during the 90s, he got arrested for smoking pot or prostitution or something like that? I think it was pot. So ridiculous. Oh, he's Gilligan. He's Dobie Gillis's pal. He's the far-out space nut. He's fucking yeah. Gilligan himself. He's the he's a man of joint. Fuck now, look. He finds a machine gun. Look what I found. Ah! I hope. It's so not funny. <laughs> oh, no, you shot Ginger 2. Time to call it Ginger 3. Yeah, we got to call Ginger 3. Do you remember the sea song in the first episode? It was like the it was Gilligan, the Skipper 2, and the rest. Yeah, that's right. No, no, they named everyone, but like Marianne. They didn't credit Professor Marianne. Marianne. And the rest. Right. Yeah, they have time. going, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the Pharisee? They can see. She goes, what do you know? It's just your opinion. I love it. I, I told it much Finally, jokes written by old... You told it much better? I was going to say, jokes written by old Jewish writers sound better uh, spoken by old Jews. This was written yeah. by Jewish brothers. It was Al Schwartz, Elroy Schwartz... And the creator, the series creator, Sherwood Schwartz, and they all they all wrote it together. 
like oh, in an hour. Yeah, I'm sure someone wrote it for them, and they just got their names on it and said, boom, here you go, NBC. I believe they wrote it. This guy worked in the industry. I mean, he this guy did Sherwood Schwartz. He did Brady Bunch. This guy knew what he no. was <laughs> We're definitely dipping our toes in Gen X waters. I mean, you could say that this is a boomer show, but I, I would say I watch Brady Bunch and Gilgan's Island every day after school. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We had our reruns, and so the Boomer shows became the Gen X shows. So a lot of them, Star Trek, yeah, right. a lot of them did. Well, we had we were ironic about it. We saw a totally artificial TV show. We went, whoa, that's a totally artificial TV show, man. Right. That's not a real island. When you we were so ahead of everyone else. Track, it's... The laugh track is so ridiculous. They're cracking up over not funny things. Okay, is so there's a laugh track on this show, on this movie. Yeah, it's a TV wow. show, Mike. Listen. Oh, I'm gonna riff this movie, and I'm gonna get the best response. This is why I picked it. I'm sheltering in place. I haven't heard a real audience. La- I never heard a real audience laugh even before times, but I'm now not- I get it. Here, I'll get. I'll get start telling my jokes. Did you know about that moron who went to a book burning and brought a Kindle? Don't you hate them? I, I'm going to do that, too. I can't. That's Tell my jokes over this last yeah. track. <laughs> okay, you got time to write, Carl, but go ahead. By all means. Okay, so I'm going to wait. So they're going to hoist on a pulley the one of the wings, and they're going to try to reattach it. So there'll be uh, jokes of, like, um, you know, they're not saying lines. It'll just be the uh, pratfalls and stuff, and that's when I'll tell my joke. Okay, sounds good. We're going to time this right, ladies and gentlemen. Please give it up for Carl. Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, it's great to be here in the uh, Mutiny Radio studio. And, uh, you know, uh, I got to tell a few jokes now uh, if everybody's ready. Sit down, sir, please. Uh, Just going to tell a few jokes. Okay. Um, Uh, Let's see. my wife wanted to have makeup sex, <laughs> but I ain't wearing that shit. Hey, have I got it up yet? Damn it, it didn't work. <laughs> my You're getting heckled by Bob Denver. Sex, but uh, I ain't wearing that shit. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Try to keep going. Oh, okay. Well, uh, this will be a funny one. I got to tell you, um, you know, my wife, she wanted to have makeup sex, but I ain't wearing that shit. <laughs> Thank you. Kill it. Be a little dark, but uh, David Bowie, yeah, he's dead to me. Oh, it didn't work. He's dead to me. You know it. That is it. Well, the crowd loves you and hates David Bowie. <laughs> Speaking of dead, everybody on this show is dead, right? Except for Don Wells. Uh, Jim Backus. Probably. Um. Uh, yeah. Bob Denver passed away. Yeah. Bob Denver. Bob, De- Bob Denver. Five. And um, Skipper died in 1990. Um, the professor died in 2014. Mr. Howell, um, I don't have a 
Mrs. Howell died in 2013. You know what's really endearing? Wow, Marianne took care of a very sick. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry, that wasn't 2013. Marianne took care of a very sick Mrs. Howell. She was her primary caretaker when she died. She went. This woman is a mensch. Um, she was sick. She needed help. Now she could have had plenty of help. She was a very rich woman, but um, but it was right. it was. It was uh, Dawn Wells who was by her side until she died, caring for her. Wow. So that's 50 years after working with her, yeah. she uh, became a primary caretaker. Well, good for, that's cool. That's great to hear. Yeah, I like Dawn Wells. I like the cast, too. They're eccentric people, you know. Uh, Jim Backus, I know, of course, from Yeah, Mr. Magoo. And, but the thing – look, they're all funny, maybe not ginger, but this show sucks and is not funny. They're wasting their talents. There is a few good scenes, but it's very rare. You know, you sound like uh, Robert Reed on the cast on the set of uh, the Brady Bunch. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm a Shakespeare actor. I <laughs> can't believe I have to play Mike Brady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were three curtain uh, calls. The first telephone. Three curtain calls. My Othello will be remembered in the halls of theaters. Yeah. Really? In the aisles? No, the halls of theater. Oh, the lobby of theaters. Uh, no! <laughs> you saw Galaxy Quest, right? Yeah, I have. Well, the one who was spoofing Spock. Did I just quote it? And he goes, how did I get here? He, he's doing it again. He's having a breakdown. I did Othello in the thing. There were three curtain calls. There were three curtain calls. Oh, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so the battery that shows pretty good. They're doing yeah. what they always do. Kick ass, spin a magnet, make electricity, and it's going to be enough to start the plane. Now, one thing that doesn't make sense, but who cares, is there is no runway. So they couldn't have just taken right. off like a spaceship, but they will. The do you best... think the guy who created Teleton was like 12 years old watching this going, this gives me an idea? <laughs> The best thing about this scene is while they're doing the biking, uh, Ginger's boobs shake like a church bell that's being rung. Talk about Ginger, too, huh? <laughs> Read the Ginger, too. Let's see if we see it now. Hold on. Dong, 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 dong. Well, I guess we missed our thing because they're all rolling. Now, of course, Gilligan will get stuck. Right. While the plane's taking off. Yeah. Oh no! It's good. well. They should just leave that fucker. Look at right? the. Did they ever? Was there ever episode? Yeah. All right. I'm. I'm gazing. I'm gazing. They have to put goggles on to watch those. <laughs> Where did they get those suits? So they can't. They should just leave Gilligan on the island. Hell, the, the show would have been like a one season, done, one and right. done. If, if it wasn't they, for they took my advice. Screwing up everything all the time. They would have been off that all island. All the time. It's repetitive. Yep. So Gilligan is. Well, I have a question, Carl. If it, he's right, there he is. Come on, Gilligan. It's so. Grab Skipper's hand. I heard when you grab Alan Hill's hand, it feels like holding like ham. Like it's just, like cold. <laughs> yeah, little buddy. Hey, little buddy. Hey, little buddy. <laughs> 
See how he did. I, I don't know. How, again, like, how do they find this plane that's been there for decades? Exactly. So my question is that if it was a three-hour tour, how come it takes me 30 seconds to ejaculate? Oh, I mean, their clothing, their clothing. Sorry, let me ask you again. Minnow. Ooh, look at that. Wow. There's a matchsticks. I wouldn't say that that was a miniature, but it looks like matchsticks on the door. So it was a three-hour tour, and... It only takes me 30 seconds to ejaculate. So, I mean, what's up? Didn't the producers think this over? Well, people would always say, like, <clears throat> where do they get the clothing? Or, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Where do they get the aviation jacket You're and goggles? suspend disbelief. It's just a stupid show. Okay, right. this is kind of funny. How's it going? The professor's going to tell him, like, we're going to crash, essentially. And he goes, don't tell anyone it's a panic. Don't say a word. So Bob Denver's like, I won't say a word. It's it's one of the only funny scenes. Plane in the air. Well, I better tell the others. No, don't. It'll start a panic. No, I don't want you to say <laughs> one word about this. Not one word. Believe me, I won't say one word. One word, right? Uh, What's going on so, right, one word. I gotcha. Watch. <laughs> He's not saying one word. He's just passing out parachutes. He's just putting out the parachute. <laughs> <laughs> I hope mine is custom made. All right, that's funny. Okay, so now yeah. here's the here's more of the joke. Okay, it's very yeah, rare again. that was a funny moment in the film. Gotcha. Do you think that was the funniest moment of Gilligan Island? Uh, Gilligan? Uh, there'll be another very funny scene in which Alan Hale starts doing a hula dance. <laughs> he really does a great acting job in it. Oh, yeah. He's great. He's like the Andy Richter of hula dancing. Did you ever see Andy Richter do the hula dance in uh, Cabin Boy? Yes. Yeah. This is how a woman dances or something like that. It's been a while. It's been a long I think while. I know more. I think I. He became a cabin. I remember more Gilligan's Island. Yeah, a cabin man. But what was it? It was like a. Um, All right. <clears throat> it was a, 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 like a goddess in a, in a cave, right? Right. He wandered in. And magazine. Yeah. And then remember the husband comes home. <laughs> Right, who had like a hard day. He worked, he worked at some store or something like that. He was still in his outfit. Yeah, that's a great movie. I, I saw that recently, Cabin Boy, and uh, I watched the, the commentary. Well, they had like a little featurette on the DVD, and uh, I saw that in the theater, and there was one point in Cabin Boy where the movie just grinds to a halt. Wait, watch this. Like, I think it's from the giant cupcake. I'll, okay, I'll, I'm watching. I'll I'm watching Ginger. You. you see, he's got the suitcase, then poof, the suitcase disappears. Oh, yeah. Oh, that must have been some continuity. I asked you to jump off an airplane dressed as Gilligan holding a suitcase. Not no, – Sorry, Mr. Schwartz. Yeah, right. We're going to have to reshoot. Mr. Schwartz, we don't have budget. So you saw the commentary of Cabin Boy, and you were saying the cake? What was oh, it? Oh, that uh, 
Well, no, for me, when I saw him in the theater, the movie grinded to a halt when the giant, when he started to hallucinate and he saw like a giant cupcake spitting tobacco and he's like, oh. I said, you know, I don't know where you're going with this anymore. It's just done. But I recently watched it like two years ago and uh, it's, it still holds up. Maybe I should rent they it. They tell a story about Alfred. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't hurt. Honestly, that, that movie is fun, fun to watch. Al- Albert Molina, the famous uh, actor, uh, plays uh, like one of the professors, like has a very short role, small role in it. And during the commentary, they said that he thought he had a much bigger role. Uh-huh. He thought he was playing the captain or something like that. And he was really pissed off to find out he was like in two scenes, one scene. You know, that's funny. It kind of parallels Ginger. You see, Ginger's agent told her that she was pretty much going to be the star of this show. It was going to be her star vehicle. It was going to be all about her, you know, and they were, uh, it would focus on her. And then when she got there and started the show, you know, do the pilot and everything, it wasn't about her at all. She was just one of the people. She was sulky and pissed off, and that lasted all three years that's why there are new gingers. She's like reunion show. Screw you. Wow, I'm here. I'm here for the pilot Ginger's Island. Oh <laughs> boy, Schwartz, get Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of match friends, there's a famous quote. Uh, they were interviewing an actress who was playing a nurse, and they had asked her, "Well, what's the show about?" And she said, "Well, it's about a nur- bunch of nurses and their friends, uh, you know, working at a mobile uh, medical union." Unit. And it's a famous quote because, yeah, she she kind of said the show is about her and her friends. Right. She just played a nurse. You know, she wasn't really any of the main characters. Okay, so. That's a good acting story, I guess. Here is another funny joke. Are they, Gilly, oh, no, this is the second final funny joke? They're back on the island. Here, let's. We must search for Gilly. <laughs> all right that was a joke she goes we have to look everywhere high and low and gilly goes just look high it's They're like Deborah, are you still smoking on set <laughs> wow he was walking on air dobie gillis's buddy yeah, he got busted for pot. He became like a pot icon at one point just for yeah. that. So he, after Gilly Gonzalez, fair. he went back to West Virginia and he was on an FM, he was an FM radio personality. Um, and he ran an oldies format radio station with his wife. Oh, oh that's cool. Good for Gilligan. Oh, look, what, what the? You castaways. Yeah. Yeah, what happened is they saw a plane on their radar, which wasn't expected, and then it dropped out of the sky. So they sent a boat to rescue, and they're freed now. Wow, good for them. I guess, but it's really bad for a show because they didn't do anything. It was coincidence. They were able to get the plane out in the air. Then those gentlemen saw it, officers. Oh, and I they guess. came. Yeah. So they, they did. Yeah. You're saying this is an awkward start to the this full length movie. Okay. What this is. You're is saying this is a full length movie. 
Listen, this is a television pilot for The Castaways on Gilligan's Island, which is a hotel. The Castaways. Here it is. I've got to play it. It's so cheap, a voiceover. That's their hotel that he bought, he built. No cars, no television, no electricity. Just the way we lived when we were shipwrecked on this island 15 years ago. And I was very generous, my dear. I made our fellow castaways partners on this island. Okay, so we've got her set up now. Very generous. They now run a hotel. As you said, with... So this was voice either it was a voiceover or that the Bacchuses are so loud their voices <laughs> booms from the heaven over the island. Yeah. Oh, there it is. It's tattooed the, the boat, the boat. So when the Gilligan, the Gilligan. When they were back in society, they didn't say like all go their separate ways. They they said let's continue to live on the island. It'll just now be a resort. Now these are guests, including. Tom Bosley. There he is from Happy Days. And Marcel Lopez. Yes. There you go. Bob Newhart. And then the other people. Yeah, and the other people. This is a straight rip of Fantasy Island and Love Boat, where they they come on the boat or they come on the island. Right. They're literally leaving a boat and coming on the island. Did you see that kid? plane on Fantasy Island. Yeah. You assume, like we all do, that he's a, a child of one of the couples that just got off. But he isn't. He's like a stowaway. You're kidding me. Gillian, what an idiot. There was an extra person on a fucking motorboat? Yep. I didn't notice, Skipper. Well, that's the thing. Like, wouldn't they have a manifest of who their guests are? Yeah. Meepy manifest. <laughs> you, uh... You know what, my, you would appreciate this. My kids were in the car in the back seat, and they started making fun of something. I couldn't hear the whole thing, and they were like, ah, ha, ha, and they go, yeah, front 242, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, I love that band. And they went, oh. ah, ha, ha, <laughs> So I'm the butt of Come on, man. Don't you remember their music video from Single White Female? Yeah. <laughs> then they get the man. Hey, poor. Oh, here you go. Hey, poor. You don't have to be poor anymore. Jesus is here. Okay. Well, it was very important in the 80s to make fun of uh, preachers by sampling them and putting them on over techno beats. In the 80s, all those preachers had become right-wing Christians, and so therefore it was apropos for the time to be criticizing. To sample them, yeah. Okay, these so this, are this is like their, uh... and they bring bad luck. And the stereotype, who's really like a Hawaiian person, being a stereotype, is right. warning them against the bad luck. And the professor's like, ha, 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 and that will be our ending. We're Gilgis Island. Yeah. Oh, so that's how they get, they wind up back in, so everything goes to shit at the end of the episode. Well. Wait a minute, Carl, if this was a pilot, if this was a pilot, then it would have to end in, open-ended right they couldn't be deserted on their island again no they're because not. it was going to be a second episode that's right they're just yeah no the the bad luck of the masks is like a dumb gag to wrap up the show oh so that's those masks are, are the reason for their downfall 
No, it's just a dumb... It's not the movie fart or something. It's just a dumb ending. Gotcha. Okay, look at Boswell. He's all in a business suit. It's hard... Okay, wait. We'll be right back with a nice, comfortable cot for your son. Son? son? What son? Yes, the boy that came off the cruise ship with you. <laughs> He's not ours. He must belong to the other couple. Set up. Interesting. Tom Bosley. Bo How do you pronounce his name properly? Bosley. Bosley. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know that uh, Mrs. Cunningham, the actress, uh, she, she didn't get along. He was like an asshole to her. Right. And one time I saw a uh, candid camera thing, and they were playing a trick on him. He was thought he was there for a business meeting. He's smoking a cigarette, and he was bossing everybody around. And they still showed it to us. And then we got the gag, and he goes, ah, ha, ha, you kids. <laughs> Yeah, <clears throat> can't pull one off the old boss. One of my favorite uh, bad movies is called Million Dollar Mysteries, mm -hmm. which was sponsored by Glad Bags, which had Tom Bosley as the spokesman back in the day. Oh, right. So, the, so Tom Bosley plays a character like Jimmy Durante in the Mad, 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 Mad World, where he dies at the beginning. Uh, but he is stowing away $1 million in Glad garbage bags. Uh huh. And then he dies, and then people have to find the, the, the Glad garbage bags filled with money. Set up. And they keep saying glad. Oh, I saw this. Yeah. Well, I have to say, Carl, I did have seen this uh, as a kid in 79, and I do remember this storyline very well. As we heard in that voiceover, Gilligan's Island Resort doesn't have a telephone. Right. But there's one in the uh, lobby. So Bosley, who's going through yeah. the FOMO, FOMO, his fear of missing out, he has to make a business call, and he discovers that there isn't a phone on the island. Right. It's a hidden so phone. I still remember that. It's a little funny how he finds it. Basically, also, what's going they're, on they're now is a setup that he is a businessman, he's in real estate, and he just can't keep his mind off. You're on vacation now. You haven't had a vacation in 19 years. Loosen up. Sounds like every Adam Sandler movie I watch. <laughs> I can't enjoy this vacation. Yeah. You have very efficient, reliable people helping you. Yeah, sure. I'm there watching them. Boom, boom, pshh. You going in and the skipper? Mary. Denver replaced Woody Allen in the original Broadway production of uh, um, Play It Again, Sam. Which we know from right. Bogart's the man with Bogart's face. So yeah, and uh, well, Woody Allen made a movie version of that. I think he wrote the, the play. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he replaced Woody Allen in the play, and Clive Barnes from New York Times said he was um, a genuine clown like wistfulness, uh, and that that Barnes had found lacking in Allen's own performances. So. Gilligan did a better job. <laughs> so, in conclusion, Gilligan is better than Woody Allen. Yeah, for Play It Against Sam. Yeah. Play It Against Sam, I haven't seen that in a long time, but it was like, he's a movie nerd who can't get laid. Right. And uh, he likes, yeah. 
in a while. You know, you know, there's no quote played against Sam. It's like Sam, I want you to play it in a certain manner or some shit like that. It's like Hamlet. You know, I know right. Horatio. I knew thee well over there. Oh, Marissa Wallace in a bathing suit. Yeah, there's nothing more ugly. Mm -mm. No, man. Come on, she's piece, not a man. pretty. No, what a body. You saw her tongue in Carl, three. shut up. <laughs> look, she's looking at her so low cut, she's got no cleavage. Right? Look Carl, at Jesus Christ, man. I'm seeing total... I'm so, that's so offensive. There's totally cleavage. Oh, okay. <laughs> man eyes caught it. Of course there's cleavage. <laughs> oh, wow. So there are kids. So wait a minute. So... There's a lot of people on this island. Yes. It's not just the four people that got it, came in. Oh, that's what that's what Howell was saying. He built a hotel here, and they have a business now. It's on the island, but everybody can come. They they leave for from right. There's a cruise ship that comes by, or from Hawaii, a three hour tour. He'll be here. So that was, but I mean, the skipper came up in a motorboat that held like five people. Well, and there's already like 50 people. There were only five guests. I mean, including the kid. Right. By the way, he's probably my kid, and I just realized he's missing. <laughs> oh, shit. That's my kid. He's in a TV for TV movie. I was wondering where he was. <laughs> it's a very dumb oh, He's looking over. I got to check out the script for Happy Days, season 18. Okay, so now Whatever the happened to Chef is Cunningham. hungry, right? See, he's been he's been hiding. Right. Yeah. Hungry for coconuts. Oh, he's cuckoo for coconuts. Oh. <laughs> right, Skipper's like, fuck yeah! If I had a hot dog stand on the island ten years ago, I'd be set. Never leave. <laughs> what Skipper's doing right now is basically he's he's serving everybody. They take care of the guests. Ew, he had his hands all over that burger. Yeah, he's totally he not stealthy. Four days, that's gross. Yeah, no, it's not Fanny at all. Did you see that? He just ate one of the guests' french fries. <laughs> I know. It must have been at that place by my job. That's happened to me. Someone's serving up your food and they eat one of your french fries and they hand it to you. Oh, it's happened. Oh, really? What do you do? What do you do? Yeah, well, I mean, what am I supposed to do? Say... <clears throat> I hate to say it, but, you know, you're in trouble with your job. I want this free. I get it. I get it. Yeah, but I get it. I mean, maybe uh, I've, I've worked restaurant jobs where I'm starving to death and I would eat the leftovers. I've done it before. Mm -hmm. Not the greatest thing. <laughs> I'm not proud. Oh, this is funny. That's 400 miles away. I'm All right. Oh. There's a phone on this island. There is no phone on this island. There is no phone, no newspapers, no, no radios, no cars. I know Okay, oh. that was funny. That was funny. All right. 
But Carl, wouldn't you like to see a show where every week new guest stars go through try to talk to Gilligan like that? It would have been great. Yeah. This week it's Tom so. Bosley. Next on. week it's Hello, I'm Lindsay Wagner. Oh, hello. Uh, Gilligan, uh, hello, Lindsay, guest star Lindsay Wagner. How can I help you? Well, Gilligan, I was hoping I could play some tennis. Well, we all hope. Gilligan! So so she's native to an island that was deserted for a little here, that they were stranded on. Now we're getting the phone routine, and he's going to start looking for the phone. Right, I still remember this back in the day. Oh, and look, Ginger Grant's performing in the in the at the lounge. What well, deal? Oh, hi, my name, I'm Steve Austin, the guest. I'd like to play some tennis, Gilligan. You're so good at tennis; it's like you're playing eleven is. <laughs> Gilligan. <laughs> okay, now he he's looking for the phone. He just can't find it. Now, this is a treat. When these movies came out, the TV movies, it was like, you know, a phenom return home. I remember Gilligan's Island. There's new Gilligan Island. It's just, it was this bad, though. See how he found it? (laughs) What an actor. Oh, pay dirt. So, Gilligan, are you trying to tell me there's no Wi-Fi on this island? There's no Wi-Fi on this island. It's in the Look, He's got to get a quarter. Yep. <laughs> For those of you who are operator, this, this is Tom hey, Bosley. Right. That's right. Yes. See? You're exactly right, Mike. Hello, operator. Well, keep trying. Hello, operator. It's a Tom Bosley. Yeah, no shit, this is Tom Bosley. Who else sounds like you? Now, Marion. <laughs> I'm looking for... Happy Days, first season. Yeah. The first season of Happy Days, Carl, was, was basically about Chuck Cunningham and his younger brother, Richie, and his parents, and, right. you know, Joni. And they happened to know a greaser from the 50s who, yeah. who uh, moved into... No, Chuck moved... Yeah, that's only because Chuck lives in the apartment, right? Because the, the guy left. The actor mysteriously disappeared. Yes. Okay, this is going to be actually another funny scene. Um... Hi. Oh, uh, you could tell. I've been looking for you. Well, I've been right there inside the tree. Inside the tree? Yeah, I was making a phone call. Oh, here's your suntan lotion. Oh, a nervous breakdown? It was bound to happen. No, honey, I'm not having a breakdown. It just so happens the only phone on this island is in that tree. It's hidden there in case of emergency. Oh, isn't that clever? An unlisted tree. You know, I tried to call the office and nobody's there. It's just as I suspected when the cats away the mice will play. Henry, you forgot about... That, now it starts getting not funny again. You know, maybe I should play you a not funny segment because I'm just playing the good stuff. I can't believe we're watching a full-length movie that has a soundtrack, Carl. This is a full-length movie first. This is a TV show, and it's a pilot, (laughs) and it has a laugh track, and it starts with Gilligan's Island theme. It's not 
This is a- Look, you're just mad. You're just mad because the movie theater manager in 1979 would not give you a refund when you went to see this full-length theatrically released movie. Right. I didn't come here for TV, sir. You're gonna have to run under <laughs> Hollywood. I do. Ooh, Battlestar Galactica. Well, they were. I mean, Battlestar Galactica was the famous. Uh, they they took the pilot and they added it to the second episode and they released it as a theatrically released movie. Right. Uh, during during the whole Star Wars thing, and they got sued. And I I seen it. We watched it for Bad Movie Night years ago in the dark room when we did live riffing, mm-hmm. and it's terrible. It's the same conceit. You have these big production numbers, and then suddenly the show, the movie dissolves into a TV show or a backdoor pilot. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so she's going to the managers, and she's saying, can you help my husband loosen up? I mean, all he's thinking about is business, and they're like, we'll see what we can do, ma'am. Obviously, they are not thinking of business if they're fucking playing... There's one rule when the, in the uh, hotel business. It's that you don't get high on your own supply. You don't play your own shuffleboard. Right. You should be fucking managing. Tim Backus, man. He looks good. Do you 79? See, you see how they're, like, talking to a two-by-four? Yeah. Is that going again? Oh, that's not a two-by-four. That's uh, Marcia Wallace. <laughs> Jesus, you are so wrong. Listen, it's sexist to say that, and two, her cleavage is great. <laughs> a pig man, only a pig man would say that. You, you, you. Yeah, she has great tits. You objectify women, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> Wait, you, it's Ginger. She sings and she massages. There won't be a happy ending. This is 1979. Oh, yeah. That's the only reason why you went into the massage bar right then. Yeah. It was on the sign. Help. You jerk off to me. You likey, likey, wanky, wanky? How are you doing with Mrs. Lawrence? Oh, boy. Great. She got away to the sauna. Oh, good. I can see help with Mr. Look at that Bosley, man. He's hiding his fist. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen him with exactly a shirt right. off. The father of happy days. This is the first movie, Ted. Now, the oh, only way you can see this movie is. is either on YouTube or at the Library of Congress. <laughs> Carl, I know I made you watch this movie and research it, but this was uh, there was a more famous Gilligan's Island TV movie when the Harlem Globetrotters land on their island. That was the last one ever. Interesting. I couldn't find that one. I would have, but I do remember this as a kid, so I kind of picked this one. Listen, we just sat through. If you guys have been listening to our previous episodes, last week's episode was fucking Carnosaur, and the week before that was the same director with his goddamn brain dead movie. So yeah. this is a fucking relief to be watching Gilligan's Island. I, this is like a, a aperitif, I get right? An intermezzo. It, Mike, it was just really to clean the palate. Departure, though. I mean, it's. Uh, okay, look, here's some not funny stuff. I'll show you how not funny it is. What's even worse is I haven't had a nibble yet. Okay. Marlon property. My briefcase. Where's my brief? Did I bring my briefcase? Mr. Elliot, you don't need your briefcase. If we catch any fish, we'll put them in a pail. <laughs> <laughs> it's right here behind Gilligan, Mr. Elliot. Oh, thanks. I got about four contacts. I got to love you. Well, but Mr. Elliot, you're supposed to be here on vacation. 
Skipper, maybe if he rolls a little bit, he can learn how to relax, huh? Oh no! Gilligan! Whoa! This is TV, Mike. <laughs> well, I mean, this is all shot. Didn't they build the set? Oh, that kid loves it. That kid is so poor, he has to go fishing with a stick and rope down in the island. No, he's playing high. Oh, there's his suitcase. Playing hideaway. Yeah, this lagoon, we saw it in another movie. Uh, was it Ape? There was this lagoon oh. was in one other film we saw. Now, was this shot in, like, CBS Studios? Wasn't it, like, the original island was built in uh, Los Angeles where the Price is Right uh, studio is? Yeah, and the Lagoon set itself was in um, Studio City, uh, California, and it was right next to a Los Angeles freeway, and it was a real pain in the ass for the sound engineers. I bet. They would have to shoot. Fortunately, they had a budget. Uh, during rush hour, and they would always be doing retakes because a, a car would show up or a horn. That's so funny. Yeah. But you would figure as a theatrically released full-length movie, they would have the budget to kind of yeah. prevent that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we deviated from the norm. Yeah. I owe you one. You, you get to pick a movie later. All right. Yeah. All right. We have the next two weeks tied up, though. They were going to name Gilligan Willie when they were like, when Schwartz was writing it way back when. Yeah. And, uh, okay, no, no, I got that wrong. He didn't have a name, and he found, he just flipped open the uh, phone book and he found Gilligan. And he thought, that's funny, I'll do right. that. Gilligan's Island. So then Schwartz had the name Willie written in his notes. It was Willie Gilligan. But Bob Denver was like, no, 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 no. Gilligan is a, the character's first name. And so they agreed to disagree, and they said, we'll just call him Gilligan forever for the whole show. So the creator thinks his name is Willie Gilligan. Because I have heard that story that the first name is Willie, and that Gilligan is his last name. But for Gilligan, it's his first name. That's the thing. So they only See? ever call him Gilligan. And Skipper's character's name is Jonas. Really? They only said it twice. What about the professor? The professor, yeah, he's uh, Roy. Wait, 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 wait. I have, yeah, here it is. Professor Roy Hinckley is his real name. Roy Hinckley. Oh yeah, he had to change it when, uh, after uh, Reagan got assassinated. Uh, <laughs> Hinckley. Hinckley. Well, they just. You know that happened. The, yeah. The greatest American hero. The the character's last name was uh, Hinckley. And then when the president got shot, they had to change his name. So the next season, he had a different last name. <laughs> Switching horses right in mid-gear. Yeah. Here, look, here's more not funny. Wrong, and I was right. You were wrong, and I was banker, Gilligan. Very nice. Thank you, Now, the important thing that we do is search for this boy and find out who he is and what he's doing on the island. Right. So we'll split up and tell the others to be on the lookout for him. Who are you going to tell well, I'll tell Marianne and Mr. and Mrs. Howell. I was going to tell Marianne and Mr. and Mrs. Howell. <laughs> this would happen every week again. Do you think it would have been an hour show, Castaways on Gilligan's Island, like Bloodboat and, and uh, Fancy oh, Island was an hour? Good question. Good question. 
Oh, here we have something that's lines. slightly funny. We're fucking 1979's aerobics? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gilligan will start doing... Oh, he's... I don't know why it's funny. He's... He's All funny. Right. Bob Denver is a funny guy. No, he's yes, better than Woody Allen. I thought we'd... Not... Gilligan is not funny. Man, Mary, you had to bend over backwards for this show. <laughs> There's a white boy in the window. Boom! He's, yeah, he's looking at the butts. It's me in 1979. Who are you looking at? It's a little funny. It's a little funny. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it's hysterical, apparently. Apparently. Do you remember on The Odd Couple, the soundtrack, oh, those shows, there was always like a distinct laugh in the soundtrack, on the left track? I did. Like if somebody in the aisle just had it. Well, Carl, you're familiar with the open mic show, and you're familiar with comics in the back of the show. Yeah. And you're familiar with the one comic who has to call attention by having a very distinct laugh. <laughs> so you'll, you'll say a joke, and Mike Spiegel went, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, it, and to the point where it's just like, hey guys, remember I'm in the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this one guy, his name's Brandon, uh, Brandon Wonderlick, and he goes, ah, ha, ha, ha. I love when I hear his laugh, though, it's not the same thing. He has a very distinctive laugh, but I know I've got a hit when he's laughing, and his laugh is so clear. Oh, that's good. Okay, so. Usually uh, I'll have the comics who, um, yeah. Just for the plot. The professor found made in Chicago, Illinois, in the masks that are supposed to have bad luck. Okay, this will be but funny. They're truly bad luck. Now. Hey, oh, right, this is Skipper. Yeah, Alan Hale does a very bad job in this whole thing, this whole series. He sucks, but not right here. Right here, he's as funny as Lou Costello. So he's sexually excited by Ginger, and it's weird. He hasn't done that the whole series. Yeah, you're right. Maybe because it's uh. Fortunately, they're the same age. Ginger. Dude. Dance? The professor? <laughs> oh, I can't do the hula. Okay, here we go. Now he's... All right. I will revert to Now, it's 1979, so they're being cool about it, but he is sexually excited. Right. Well, you can tell from those 70s pants, he's got a raging one right now. <laughs> Look at that. You can see his heart on. Yeah. Actually, you can't see shit. <laughs> so baggy. Well, none of them wear belts. Gilligan, Skipper, so they can't hang themselves. Right. Have you ever noticed on Gilligan's right. Island that they all don't have belts, but their pants holds up? It's just totally <laughs> unrealistic, Carl. I, I think we have a moment. It could be suspenders. Okay, that was uh, right. That was funny. Yeah. Jerry Van Dyke was almost Gilligan. 
Gary Van Dyke. Hey, I want to recommend to our audience, go type in My Mother the Car on YouTube, and you can watch every single episode of Jerry Van Dyke, the guy from Coach. Uh, he had a 60s show where his mom dies and is reincarnated into a car, a jalopy he buys, mm-hmm. and speaks to him through the radio. And it's great. It's great. I, I was really happy to have posted every episode. Well, yeah. okay. <clears throat> Listen, it's funny you say he. One of his biggest regrets is my mother, the car. Uh, when the idea of Gilligan's Island was cooked up by creator Sherwood Schwartz, as an actor in mind for the part was Jerry Van Dyke. The producer sent Van Dyke the script for the pilot. He hated it, calling it the worst thing I'd ever read. Jerry Van Dyke took another sitcom role on the advice of his agent. Van Dyke accepted the lead role as my in my mother, the car. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You know what? When he said, "I'll take the role in my mother's car," and then you hear the laugh track. <laughs> It'll be a hit. <laughs> and then the music. Doing, 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 doing. Now we're having hilarity as the uh, boy try- gets away by swinging from brand, you know, like Tarzan from vine to vine. Right. Of hilarity as guilt. Now look. He's got parallel bars. You see them? They're trying to hide them, but you can see them. The kid's doing gymnastics. Interesting. Whoa! Skipper, Skipper, there's an underage kid on our island. Yeah. Oh, yeah, look at him. (laughs) There's an underage kid on our island. Oh, he must have gotten misplaced. Yeah. Epstein's Island is next door. There you go. Thank you. Bubba. That was a, I tried. Oh. I tried. Oh. Wow, this kid is uh, gymnastically athletic. Well, we're going to learn that he is training for the Olympics. Does this kid talk? He gives a heart-to-heart, right? Yep. Of course, right? So check this out. When the Gilligan's Island first came on the air, a lot of people contacted the Coast Guard to rescue the cast. Seriously. Um, That's nuts. The the American Coast Guard received several letters and telegrams requesting them to save Gilligan. It's uncertain if these letters were serious concerns or pranks or a mix of both. What other shows were around back then? Uh, hello, FBI. There's UFOs. I just saw it on TV. Uh, man, that's a show, UFO. Hi, Rob. All right. So now we come back from commercial, and they're meeting each other. I've been doing that stuff since I was a kid. <laughs> since I was five. Five? Yeah. Uh, Olympics. Olympics. So we're getting the whole story why he ran away. The Olympic Village is just people fucking. I had to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, Raquel <laughs> Welsh was almost Marianne. Really? Well, she, she had a career back then. Nope. Well, wait a minute. I'm trying to think. She did it in 64, right? It was a show. Wait. Um, a House <laughs> is Not what? a Home was 64 on our show, and Raquel Welch was pretty much right. unknown. She tried out for Marianne, and they thought 
you know, she's very sexy, but she's out of the running because she's not the girl next door. 66 was They're the lost. movie that made her famous and made her a sex symbol Six, two years later. You're they right. didn't know what they had. What? Yeah. Do you think this is just like lore at this point? Like, Sherman Sports wrote books about Gilgan's Island, and yes. uh, I, I think I tried to read it. And I, I back in the day when I was like absorbing every pop culture when things were current. Mm-hmm. I think the book came out in the nineties. Uh, I have that written somewhere uh, in my notes here. He did make a book all about Gilligan's Island, and that's pretty much why I've got so much material. Uh, not because I read his book. Yeah. Uh, about like interesting, like Carol O'Connor edition for Skipper. And this was before All in the Family, which was 71. So, again, they didn't know what they had. <laughs> ah, Christ, Gilligan. Gilligan. Hey, what, what you call? We're like uh, ship-casted here, what you call. So, now Tom Bosley <laughs> has a plan to get off the island. He's going to pretend that he's taking his wife's advice and just, you know, unwinding and relaxing – but he like looks like a bum. He's lazing around. He wants to stay for three months. He's trying to trick her into saying, "Please take me back home." Oh, Gilgan never did that. He never guilt tripped Skipper. Oh, I love it here on the island. I see us here forever. He's You're not crazy, smart Gilligan. Enough. I gotta get you off this island. Yeah. But um, every week, this Mrs. week, on Howell Castaways, would do that kind of thing. Like shame or like. Yeah, they look. They're okay. a great couple. I mean, honestly, out of all the TV couples, uh, the millionaire and his wife were just—they loved each other yeah. so much. Yeah. But look at you. This is a little funny. Watch this. Well, if you want to shave, that's okay with me. <laughs> all right, we didn't get a good enough setup. He was like. Your hair's unkempt. You're unshaven. But just look at you. Look at me. And he says, "Well, if you want to shave, I, I'll, you know, I don't mind. I'll wait." <laughs> oh, oh! Quarantine alert! I shaved today. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's always a big difference. I love how I love how like they just they they decide to take their misfortune. They have an opportunity to to make something of their lives, and they still haven't changed their clothes. Yeah, really. Especially Gilligan and the Skipper. Especially. I know. This is all nonsense. They never had new costumes. You see, you, you look at uh, Marcia Wallace, then you look at uh, Marianne and Ginger. They, now that's a rack! Carl, alright, if we're going to have to go down the sexist road... Maria Wallace's rack is fantastic. I don't know what's wrong your problem. <laughs> I, don't see, I don't see what you're seeing. I don't get it. I don't want to come off as sexist, but I think there's there's something there. Yeah, two bumps in the road. Nope. <laughs> Did you ever watch The Real Gilligan's Island? I don't know what that means. The Real Gilligan's Island was a reality show on CBS. Oh. I think it was during the aughts. Where they found people to to hit the archetypes of the uh, original <laughs> 50s sitcom, really? and then put them on a real island. 
And the big thing was that the millionaire's wife couldn't stand the fact that Gilligan was gay. And that they, like, milked that for episodes. They were like, you know, or maybe the professor, the guy who was the, had the professor role. And that was the drama. That never happened on Gilligan. You know, give it up for Sherman Schwartz. Even though they're all white, they definitely got along. They definitely worked together. You know? <laughs> like, if they said Gilligan was gay, they would be okay with it. They would. So obviously, Skipper's okay with it. Look at Skipper. He's been looking at that view for years. <laughs> In the bunk bed? <laughs> now, Mrs. Howell Were they always top bucks on a bunk? What's that? Oh, no, no, go ahead. I was just saying that they've always slept in bed bunks, and I think it's always been stiffer on the bottom. Yeah, that's just for crushing Gilligan reasons, if there's ever an accident. <laughs> oh, right. That was Endeavor's contract. <laughs> so Mrs. Howell was not a fan of Gilligan's positive. Island at all. Natalie Schaefer, she didn't like the show. She didn't like the script. She didn't like anything about it. So... She thought the pilot was going to be like this one-and-done acting job. She didn't believe the premise of the show was strong enough to be like be a whole series. And she was shocked when she got a call back that the show was picked up for more episodes. Now she was just like, okay, this is a paycheck. I'll do it. She hated the show during. Wow. Yeah, but what were the other 60s shows back then? Hogan's Heroes? Would you rather be like the zany Holocaust uh you know, German Nazi prisoner camp. Let's take Stalag 17 and turn it into a broad comedy. There was no other, there was nothing. Did she prefer to dress up in a bikini and be trapped in a bottle? I don't, I can't think of any other show during the 60s that wasn't like, you know, okay, so wasn't just as bad. TV lineup 1979 on ABC. Uh, Barney Miller, okay. Charlie's Angels, Donnie and Marie, Eight is Enough. That's pretty. There's something to watch there. Um, let me put in NBC. That was ABC. Well, you know, Carl, I, I actually have in my hands the complete directory of primetime network and cable shows, 1946 to present, 8th edition. Okay. And in the back of the book, they have the primetime schedule. Mm -hmm. So for sake of argument, I could check what was on 79 and see uh, what it was what competing was against. against. But I, I could also – you know, actually, do you mind if I check uh, 64 to see what was up against Gilligan's Island? Whatever you want. Uh, also in 79 Alrighty. on NBC was Chips, Different Strokes, Hello yeah. Larry. Uh, oh, fact, Little Hello Larry. Larry. There was plenty to watch. BJ and the Bay. Wasn't that like, now we're getting, it, we're getting into the weeds. Fred Silverman was the TV executive who turned ABC and CBS to number one. NBC hired him in the late 70s, and he proceeded to crank out Super Train, uh, Pink Lady and Jeff, and a lot of other, like, oh, as well as, like, different strokes. Oh, no, Brendan Tartikoff kind of was the genius behind, like, Punky Brewster and, and mm -hmm. you know. I remember okay, so Punky let's see. Brewster, only that it was this little kid. And so when my son Keith, the littlest one, I used to, come here, Punky, Punky Brewster, you know, put him on my knee. Come to find out Punky Brewster, he came to find out Punky Brewster's a girl. He's like, Dad. <laughs> from uh, from uh, was, wasn't she in, uh, didn't she have a second role? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of uh, Blossom. I beg my pardon. Uh -huh. Okay, so I'm looking at the fall of 64 on a Saturday. Uh, Gilligan's Island was on at uh, 8.30. Yeah. 
It was the Jackie Gleason Show from 7.30 to 8.30, Gilligan's Island, Mr. Broadway, and Gunsmoke. Uh, but they were competing against Lawrence Welk and Kentucky Jones on NBC. Wait a minute. Now, this is May 3rd, 1979? No, no, this is back in 64. This oh, is when my, it premiered. Okay, Let me go ahead and check 79. So May 4th. Uh, can you can you tell me what day of the week it was? Uh, no, uh, May three, nineteen seventy nine. No, I'm not an I'm an idiot, not an idiot, savant. Fine, I'll Google it. Let me Google it. May three third, nineteen third. Okay. It was a Saturday. Kitties in the Bay Cane Lounge. Okay, so uh, what happened on May? I don't really. It was a Thursday. Okay, so let me go ahead. So Thursday there was Barney Miller, Soap, and 2020. Oh, no, no, I beg my pardon. ABC started off at 8 o'clock with Laverne and Shirley, Benson, Barney Miller, Soap, 2020. That is a solid three hours right there. Yeah. I turned to CBS. I had Walton, Hawaii Five O, and Barnaby fucking Jones. Yeah. Solid. And then uh, NBC, and I could see it was Buck Rogers, Quincy M.E., and Kate Loves a Mystery. Okay. So, so well, actually, did, we're talking about May, so let me see if they... Who did this compete against? Oh, no, I take it back. Okay, so I take it back. So, back, I'm looking at the fall schedule for 80, and May would kind of fall in there. There was something called the NBC Thursday Movie that was at 9 o'clock. NBC had Games People Play at 8, and then the NBC Thursday movie. So it must have premiered then. Mm. So it was competing against Magnum P.I. and Knott's Landing on CBS. That's right. And then on ABC, they had uh, Barney Miller, It's a Living, and 2020. And I do remember It's a Living. Yeah. You can't compete against the late Tom Villard in It's a Living. Yeah. Um, this was yeah. highly rated according to the internet. Oh, okay, we're wrapping up it here. Let's, let's... Yes, but you're right. It should be your decision. You mean I can decide when I'm going to practice and how long? Yes, Robbie. It must have been very important to you. Mom, I've been saying that for months. Well, I guess there is a time for work and a time for play. <laughs> sometimes we're like a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we just don't hear. Ah, oh. oh. honey, if you turned to ABC, we could watch the last 10 minutes of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> the Scarsdale Killers on. Um, I used Whoa. to think that uh, show was going to do 2020 before it aired, because I had 2020 hindsight. <laughs> you know, Mike, well, I... That's all my dad watched. We had 2020 Vision. This year, I've been yeah. looking at girls' butts a lot more because um, I have 2020 hiney sight. Especially this year. Yeah. Well, I have uh, – I bought a TV. It's my 2020 television. Uh-huh. I have 2020 television. Yeah, I bought it this year. 2020 vision. No, 2020 television. Okay, now here comes the Keep wrap going, that's the masks. Okay, the, the evil masks. Yeah, right. I remember that. Yes, on the islands, boy is like bread. Here comes the wrap-up. Did, did we ever see them eat a banana or an orange or an apple from that pile of fruit on the table? Right, it's, 
it's got to be plastic. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're still getting the wrap-ups of, I'm sorry I put you through such problems, honey. It's okay. I I'm you. sorry I put you through such trouble. I love you too, Carl, even though I made you watch this movie. How many times did you watch this? This is my fourth fucking yeah. time. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Listen, I got the next two movies lined up, and then we'll uh, you'll pick the movie. Okay. Okay, here it comes. Bad luck. Bad luck. Telling you, Chicago. Chicago. Kirsten, I have as much right to an opinion as you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can tell you. <laughs> labels in the masks that read Made in Chicago, Illinois. Well, I made those labels myself. You mean those were actually primitive native Polynesian masks? Precisely. And I hope I prove to you all just how absurd the ancient superstitions really are. I just pretended to find those labels in the masks to show you the stereotype is shocked. Oh yeah, right. They were what? Huh? Oh no, the drums are making the statues rock. Oh, that's creepy, Carl. This movie, this this theatrically released full-length movie, has gone from comedy to terror in the in the last five minutes. Now it's back to comedy. <laughs> Where was the money shot? They just cut the Russell Johnson with a, a, a bowl on his head. I didn't see it, man. Look at that hair. That God, he had the best hair. We see the event. We see the after. Yeah, I paid good money. I, I, this is what I would complain. And then the oh, and there's a but wait a minute. So there's no like. They don't screw. I thought they fucked up like everyone left and then they got stranded. No. But they actually, this is open ended. It's like you said before, it had to be open ended, yeah, to be a, a pilot. And they didn't get picked up. Oh. Yeah, well, right. Well, you know, but some of them too busy with Super Train. Right. He went on to Super Train. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been a. Uh, a track. Oh, yeah. Well, I do remember. This. God, I remember the ending of Gilligan's Island. They didn't, they didn't, when they showed these shows in syndication, they played the end credits. It wasn't, you know, sometimes they'll talk over it, but they wouldn't squish it to the side or put it in yeah, a little box to tell you to skip it, yeah. you know. That started in the 90s. And you would see them like, yeah. But do you, you remember the, the famous ending of these Gilligan's Island? They're like waving or they're on like a grotto or something like that. I forget. Uh, well, anyway. Uh, God, I'm so nostalgic. Carl, what did you think of today's movie? Uh, I loved it. It was great. Good choice. Look, man, it sucked. And it wasn't even good. I guess it's good for your show. There is a lot to talk about with Gilligan's Island. It's a, well, you know, I love TV movies. I love TV shows that become full-length movies. I prefer their theatrically released full-length movies. Yes. It's a lot more fun. But uh, there was this phenomenon, and I know that people talk about Gilligan's Island and the, and the, and the Globetrotters, and I just wanted to let them know that, you know, they did other stuff. They had these other theatrically released, uh, these TV movies. And so, and I also remember watching it. So it was the Rescue second time. from Gilligan's Island was the reu reun reunion show. The one we just saw, the Castaways on Gilligan's Island, the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island, two animated C series. Yeah, you said Planet. Guest spots on shows like ALF, which they're all together. Uh, Baywatch, Roseanne. God. So they milked this cow. Yeah. 
Well, now they didn't. Probably, I, I always wonder about syndication and whether they got residuals. I mean, I know that uh, I Love Lucy. None of the uh, day players got any residuals. Yeah. They all went to Desi Lou, and that that show was a syndication for decades. So I do I wonder, like, you watch like Brady Bunch. Yeah, I mean, does Gilligan get like twelve cents every time it airs uh, after school? No. I mean, so yeah, Good their fame were gone, and I I do know. And then the Brady Bunch movies from the 90s, I think Gilligan shows up. Yes, that's right. And also um, Jim Bacchus was, did a Brady Bunch. And six, Listen, I've got more stuff I didn't tell you during the six women played Ginger. 70-minute movie? Oh, wow. Uh, Tina Luis was considered to be the official – is considered to be the official Ginger – uh, due to her friction with the cast and her rough history with the show itself, she declined a- any spin-offs, reunion films, cartoons. She was just like, I am out of here. That happened, and now it's done. Well, yeah. anyway, there's lots to talk about. It was good in that sense. There were many things I didn't get to here in my notes, and that's okay. Um, <clears throat> but as far as, like enjoying a film you know like i enjoyed brain dead it was bad but i enjoyed it uh this was not funny i played you like five to eight funny moments but as a rule right you know and um also we were watching tv that is not your style michael uh yeah i know it's not my style because i've said this on this show tv like when you see a bad movie is that someone had a vision Someone had a financial backing on this, yeah. and it misfired. It wasn't their intention. They were they were wanting to make a good movie, or they wanted to make something that exploitive, but entertaining enough. And there's a misfire, you know. So, so television, television doesn't care if you think it's good or bad. They, you know, you watch right. it. You could sit on your couch complaining about it. A cur- seven commercials play. That's you what complain they're about after. them. Yeah. Then the show comes on. Yeah. So as long as you watch those ads, they don't give a shit if you hate the quality of it and you're you're zinging it for your couch. They want you to zing it for your couch. They want you to sit there and watch it all day. So yeah, I agree. So it is kind of a misstep from us. But remember, we saw one TV thing that was good. It was Lonnie Anderson and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sure, that was the Jane Mansfield story. Yes, right. We enjoyed that. That was good. The person who uploaded it. But, the person who uploaded it kept all the commercials in there, and it was all ads from the 1980 uh, uh, presidential de- uh, uh, election. The yes, Democrats right. want you to wait in line for gas. <laughs> they want you to drink Perrier instead of straight from the faucet like an American. Right. Isn't it time we put Ronald Reagan in the office? So, Carl, I'm looking at my primetime book, and I just wanted to follow up about the primetime schedule. So I had mentioned that Gilligan moved a couple of nights. Their second season, they were on Thursday. They were up against the Donna Reed Show and, and Daniel Boone, and CBS offered The Munsters, Gilligan's Islands, My Three Son, and then the, the Thursday night movie. Then they, uh, then Gilligan kind of for the final season, they kind of took a bath. I just saw it a second ago. They were on Monday at 8, 7.30, that uh, it was them lunch, but That's it, not good. Yes. Well, apparently the primetime schedule started at 7.30. Not on 8. On Sunday they would add, like, a, not 8. Hmm. So I'm looking at, like, even in 65 and 64, for a long time, the, the primetime season was 7.30 to uh, 11. Okay, so 8 to... And then, or, yeah. 
8 and 9 were like the killer hours. And then 10 o'clock, it got a little fuzzy. Uh, but I don't remember 11 o'clock ever being prime time when we were young. It was no, 10 no. p.m. to t- No, no. It, it, ended at 11, the it ended at 11. There was a yeah. local news. Right. Local news, and then it was a late night talk show. Mm-hmm. And then they did that thing where local news lasted till eleven thirty-five, and then you started Jay Leno or Johnny Carson or what right. have you. I never David yeah, Letter. I found that on Oscar, but no, you're right. It was Johnny. Yeah, Carson. Let, let me... against who? Uh, I think it was just Carson for a long time. I know network wise. It was some prime time, like Arsenio was prime was syndicated. Right. Uh, Thick of the Night was syndicated. Joan Rivers started the Upstart Network Fox. They put a late night show, but usually the got network in the game. Uh, no, you said that. Um, it was Pat Sajak for two seconds was in the game. Right. That's right. You know, I think a lot of like local affiliates made money off of reruns. Like you could watch Johnny Carson, or you could watch like Honeymooners on, or uh, mm-hmm. you know, Channel Nine at eleven thirty. Yeah. So you know, people had a habit of like, oh, I'd rather watch the Honeymooners than watch Carson. Or was it eleven? I was like, it might have been at eleven against the news. What they I might have done like two episodes back to back. Channel 9 and Channel 11, that's where, like, Honeymooners would show up. I just don't remember which one. I think it was 9. W-O-R? I always thought it was 11. May, I think you could yeah, be right. I always thought it was 11 because 11 was in New York City. And, of course, famously, W-O-R is in the caucus, New Jersey. Right. And uh, they always kind of played up the New York aspect of the Honeymooners. So I think it was uh, – Your brother did a lot of TV in Secaucus. But, or but was it a lot? Maybe it was only – it was more than one show. He was uh, – my brother Adam, who recommended a movie we're going to watch in two weeks, and we'll get back to that in the next week, uh, he uh, he had a bad movie podcast called Probably Resents, but he's a television producer, and he worked on the Richard Bay People yeah, Are yeah. Interesting show or whatever. That's right. Yeah. And they would shoot that. And, you know, the Richard Bay show, they would shoot in the Secaucus camp, and they would have things like Blonde versus Burnett, Who's Better? And they would do these, like, challenges where they would shoot it on the roof of the WOR studios, and you can see Secaucus behind them, and they'll be like, you know, blonde versus brunette, mud wrestling, or something like that, on the roof of the WOR. Anything to make you Yeah, it was an interesting show. Yeah, anything to make you watch. Carl, listen, I had to pull this one out. It was just kind of an oddity. It's a curio. It's a pop culture curio, so that's the reason why I it's I brought this out. I, no problem. I can't apologize for castaways. I'm not going to apologize. Yes, you this are. This is an exception. You are. We, no, you are going to apologize. Listen, I eat what you <laughs> <laughs> Our show's not ending. Carl, I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to get the – Carl, listen, I'm sorry, okay? I it was like clearly a pilot. Week. All right, what are we watching next week? Okay. Are you sure you don't want to pick – all right. You're going to pick – the switcheroo is going to happen in the week, and then yeah. we'll do Adam's uh, suggestion down the line. All and right. That, Next week, we're, we're back in the land of real movies. We're back in the land of really terrible – not terrible, but just weird, offbeat movies. Thank you. And when you hear weird, offbeat movies, the name Robert Downey Sr. gets bandied around. Yes. Uh, he, of course, is Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, father, and he's a famous experimental filmmaker. And I was one of the few people who saw Mad Magazine Presents up the Academy in the mm-hmm. theater, a uh, film he directed. He makes these films that are just not, what did not we really watched. Can you do Pundy Swartz? Swoops? Sloops? I don't think we ever watched that we, one, did yeah, we? Yeah, we saw Putney Swoops Putney. together. 
God, Carl, we've been doing this show a long time. Yeah, I, yeah, I like that one a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And he actually voiced Putney. He redubbed it and did his own voice on that. So yeah. we're watching a movie he did in 1974 yeah. called Greaser's Palace, okay. where it's a Western, but like a, a modern day people show up. Palace. Uh, okay, trailer. And yes, uh, I don't think we have a trailer, unfortunately. Oh. We have like uh, scenes cut out. Oh, okay. I'm relying on your audio, so I do see like just scenes, but I don't think there was an official. Oh, that's trailer. Okay, well, here I'll, let I'll me try commercial instead of trailer. Mercial. Okay. There's just clips from this movie. Yeah, yeah. Actually. Yeah, it's still more. Okay, so we got Bingo, we got Spittoon, uh, we've got I Can Crawl Again. And Jesse's song and Red okay. Snapper, what do you like? Soldier Sam. You want to end on the song? The song, sure. That is... Well, no, no. Well, that's three minutes. I don't know about that. One we do, I can call again and call it a day. Okay. 38 seconds for Red Snapper. Want to try that? Okay, let's do 38 seconds. I like that. Okay. Yeah. So I put in Trailer, Greaser's Palace. You'll only get clips. And if you go down to Unruly Brutes channel... You will find Red Snapper. I'm sliding it back to zero, okay. zero, zero. Uh, All right, kids, get your finger hovering over that triangle. Let's do this thing in three, two, one. G -g 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 okay, three, two, one, go. In a world. <laughs> She said, Bernie, you are the only man who ever made my bell ring. All my love, Red Snapper. <laughs> P.S. <laughs> Ugly old honey ho says hello. <laughs> I, okay. All right. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, that's the, that's the movie. Okay. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to watch... We're back to watching classic movies and odd, weird movies that we read about. I've read about Robert Downey Sr.'s uh, work, mm -hmm. several books, but this is the first time I can actually see a full-length movie of his. Thank you, YouTube, and that's the premise of the podcast. Carl, where can people find you? Uh, gosh, uh, they can go to carlsucks.com. And if they go to my right, mic so on Tuesdays, they're getting temperature checked as they walk in the door, thanks to Mike Spiegelman. And we don't have microphone condoms, but we do have microphone prophylactics. Plus, there is a bevy of uh, squirt juice, so you can disinfect yourself. And if you go inside the bar to go to the bathroom, you must wear a mask. This is all thanks to Mike Spiegelman. Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. Carl is uh, being responsible. And he is offering live entertainment from a professional bar in New Jersey. Uh, so backyard, he is obviously backyard. checking the boxes. Backyard, outdoors. Yeah, right by a billboard. You get classic New Jersey billboard facing the parkway. Uh, it's between uh, 80 and the parkway. And don't make that a New Jersey thing as if billboards aren't all over Frisco. 
I miss yeah, but they're they're Bay Area billboards. They're not real true Come Jersey on. billboards. They're not made with hard water, man. They're not boiled in hard water like right. New Jersey billboards. Start driving down Route 80, and you're going to see billboard, 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 billboard. It's every state. It isn't here. It's America. It's <laughs> no, in- no, man. Listen, man. The billboards, the billboards in California are different. When you fold them in the half, there's no grease pours out of them. You know, they're completely they're, they're fluffy. You know, it doesn't even taste like a billboard. That's a fair cop. I mean, that's a fair criticism. <laughs> yeah. Well, take it from me, an, an ex-Jersey is in California. Yeah. I've been in California 27 years, but I'm still an ex-Jersey. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, speaking of California, if you're in Humboldt County, pick up the latest copy of Savage Henry magazine. Oh, uh, this is a comedy magazine theme. It's the new normal. I did get accepted. I'm in the, the new issue. And if you're not in Humboldt County, well, you're probably smoking shitty weed. But if you're not in Humboldt County, you can still read the magazine. There's a digital copy on a website called Issue. Sit in tight. I-S-S-U-U.com. Go ahead and type that in. Type in Savage Henry Magazine, and you could find my latest article. It's uh, Your Breath Stinks. So if you're not going to wear a mask to, for, because of the pandemic, can you at least wear the mask? And I, I make a lot of your breath smells so bad COVID-style jokes. So I'm going to save it. Go ahead and find that. Carl, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a pleasure to watch Gilligan's Island, man. We've been friends for years. I don't think we've ever watched an episode of Gilligan's Island together. You know, some things, you know, sometimes you don't fix what ain't broke, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Too late. I fixed it. It's done. I'm looking forward to Greaser's Palace. Back to movies. Sounds great. And we're looking forward to watching Let Us Watch Greaser's Palace with you, the audience. So please, if you haven't subscribed, do so. Go ahead and rate us on uh, iTunes and go ahead and write some shitty thing on uh, Twitter. I don't know how this is the, the internet yeah. works. Well, we love your support. Keep supporting Mutiny Radio. If this episode airs and Mutiny is still around, you're doing the right thing. Uh, Carl, Stop thank you so much, that, man. It was Mike. fun. Stop saying that. Oh, I didn't say nothing. Okay. I Listen, said what? Go no. Mutiny Radio, hit right. the donate button. Yeah, do that. Don't, why don't you donate? <laughs> I don't remember your song. Yeah. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Thank you, audience. Thank you, Carl. Watch if you want to, you can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced mutiny. Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say mutiny. Mutiny? Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman, oh Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, Mike Spiegelman, L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O
Okay, all right, pass. Okay, one more time. No, no, one more time. We gotta go back to the first one. Oh God. Okay. You don't know what OCD is all about. All right, let's do the first one. Right? L W A F L M O Y T. Do it again. L W A F L M O Y T. L W A L F L O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. Let's watch a full-length movie on you. turn-ons are dancing in the dark, kissing on a lark, and peeing in the park. You should follow me on Twitter. It's jokes to Carl. That's the duh of Francais, not the duh of dumbass. But never mind that. Don't follow me now. Follow me later. I mean, for right now. Ah, let's watch a full-length movie on you. When you hear the trippy music, you know what time it is. I'm so excited. Today is a little bit different. I am pre-recording some Call Me Tim because I have the most exciting interview that I've ever had on Some Call Me Tim. Well, today on Some Call Me Tim, I actually have Wania, the beau of season six alone. How did that happen? Oh, things happen on Netflix, and then get into them, and then, oh, you get on Facebook, and they're real people. She's a real person. She answered her fan mail because I am a super fan. It's hard for me to express... I don't want to tell her this stuff because it's weird, but she'll hear it on the thing later. But I'm, I used to be a reality TV junkie. Before I started living like an authentic life that I wanted to live and spent my time the way I thought it should be spent to like make the universe and my universe and the whole situation better, I spent a lot of time watching screens and being really into reality TV. And in my late 20s early 30s I would say that it was my main goal in my life to be on a reality TV show now I look back at that and I think like oh maybe my reasons were a little more vapid or but this alone show is no joke if you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet season six wow like it's people surviving sur thriving as Wania will put it on her, uh, alone. <laughs> they have cameras, their own cameras. Nobody's filming them. They're filming themselves and they're surviving and they're making their own water or food, finding it, building a shelter. It's like crazy. 
but great, not pejoratively crazy. Like, wow, like superhero stuff. Living the way I would pretend as a child, like in my backyard, like, oh, look what I'm doing. But they're really out there. 73 days. She was out there for 73 days. And I'm watching the show and I'm crying and I'm crying. And there's all these amazing moments. She's dancing with the sun and she's squirrels, thanking the squirrels and being so grateful to everything she ate. And just like, and I'm crying. I mean, oh, it was just, it was amazing. And she's a woman. There were so many women out there. And I was so impressed because I just, when it started, I was like, oh, three women. And she's a feminist superhero. And I can't wait to ask her so many questions. She's calling like right now, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen like right now. Okay, I'm like, I did this, I started it a little bit early before she called because I was trying to like center myself so I wouldn't fangirl out on like the explanation of Alone before I started for those of you who haven't seen the show. It's not like regular reality TV, let's put it that way. I mean, it is in that they edited things heavily, and I want to ask Winnie quite a bit about what they left out. And I watched, she has a YouTube channel on Buckskin Revolution where you can watch the Alone series and listen to her as she unpacks each episode um, and says, like, the things that she could say and couldn't say, because I guess they had a a DNR or something about the show. I guess reality TV shows do that. You can't release anything before it happens on the TV. But uh, she has her Buckskin Revolution channel that you should check out on YouTube, where she also teaches life skills. There she is, there she is! Okay, okay, okay. Okay, here she is, okay. Oh, see, I already made a mistake. Hi, Winia. Hi, Sam. How are you? I, I already fangirled out a little bit to the audience before you called to, like, calm myself down and sort of, like, uh-huh. explain what alone is for maybe some of the people that hadn't seen it. But you're more than alone. Uh-huh. That's the thing, too. I didn't want to just, like, talk about alone today. Hi! Okay, okay. I'm calm. I'm together. You're so cool. I'm just, like, over the moon oh, to, like, you. oh. I mean, you didn't even have snare wire, and you caught rabbits? Okay. I know. I actually got a snarky comment on my YouTube channel today about how bad I did and how they couldn't believe I couldn't catch fish in a lake that was teeming with fish and how bad my trapping was. And it's so funny what people think they know about a thing. Like, they didn't really advertise that I don't have snare wire, so most people have no idea that that was one of the challenges that was going on. You had no fish. Well, that's – and they mentioned that at some point, that each – place that they dropped people each campsite is the wrong word each place in the wilderness where you had the opportunity to live they were all different and so some had fish and some had you had uh squirrels and rabbits and berries not everybody had berries right like i had less berries than most people i think actually because i didn't have much in the way of blueberries every site was different for sure yeah but it wasn't really true that like they all had equal Mm. resources they tried to give them the best you know they tried to make it the best swath and distribute the sites as well as possible but some sites had way more resources than others for sure yeah well which would you have that's the luck of the job that's the real world right (laughs) it's not Disneyland it's the wild 
which which uh, which which site would you have wanted to be on watching it after would you have said oh if i would have been there did you have even that thought of like oh if i would have been in that no. spot i mean the thought that had i been in a spot with more resources mm. i could have done better and stayed longer but i was in love with the place that i was and when you're out there you don't you have absolutely no idea what <sighs> what other sites are like and what other people have access to and there's really no point thinking about what you don't have because that doesn't fit you anywhere. Right. Well, but isn't that what you can do with what you've got? That's a mindset I think that we have in our real lives here all the time is that when we focus on the things that we that someone else has or that we don't have and then it creates like suffering and misery that doesn't even need to be there. It's like what we can exactly. appreciate our own so okay, so first I have questions not about Alon. Where does your name, where does Wania come from? What is the derivation of your super cool name? Yeah, that's a great question. So the the story of it is um, one that is interesting and not necessarily super cool. Um, so when I was a teenager, um, when I was uh, nineteen, I went and I did a summer course. There was a backpacking field study. So it was eight weeks backpacking in the mounds of Idaho, which was amazing. And one of the traditions of the course was that everyone take a, a trail name during that time, um, just to kind of set it aside as a thing separate from your normal life. And so I did that, and I was really interested in ancestral skills and starting to learn more of these life ways that are the things that I'm into now. And I found a book of Lakota stories and um Wonia was a name. I wanted something that sounded beautiful and had a beautiful meaning and was something that I really identified with. And, um, and so Wonia is a really powerful word that means um, like the life spirit when it's not incorporated in a body. It means the breath of life. And so I took that on as my trail name. And after, after going by it for so long, and it was a very, very transformative summer, um, I decided to keep that as my name, and so the, the not pretty part of it is that that's totally cultural appropriation, oh. and I, you know, I was a young woman, and I didn't really have that lens, and I didn't understand, you know, I had no concept of that or why it might not be a great choice, so um, so that's where Wonia comes from, is from a young woman who just named herself a word from another tradition that wasn't her own. And I do think it's beautiful, and I do really identify with it, and it's not a choice that I would make today. But I've gone by that longer than I went by the name I was given. And also I feel like it's a way to introduce. It's that Keeping that name um, brings up the conversation yeah. and allows me to talk about the concept of cultural appropriation. And just like changing it back would be like uh, letting myself off the hook and pretending that I didn't make an inappropriate choice when I didn't know any better. And it gives me this kind of like this way of addressing such issues from a place of humility as someone who gets it because they've done that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's a great question. And it's not, you know, um, yeah, it's not always an easy subject for me to talk about because of that reason. Do you, do you feel like you've earned the name now that you have embodied all these ancestral skills? Almost like you could call yourself a, a bunny or a rabbit name at this point because you ate so many like you you even said on the that was one of the things they actually showed that you're like I'm part rabbit now <laughs> like I'm or that all of yeah, your cells absolutely. were so do you feel like through the time that you've spent being like because 
you have integrity with these skills that you're that you've embodied and then you're, you're living and you're teaching does that remove or do you still feel no, some of that no i don't i don't think that there's any earning a thing that is you know something that i took without permission uh, you know so i mean wow. i think that it's not an inappropriate name if you look at it in that way but if you look at it through the lens of cultural appropriation yeah. i don't think that you know that there is anything that just changes i mean sure i think that someone who didn't have a relationship with the skills and wasn't aware of these concepts maybe it would be a less appropriate thing for or it would be more harmful right for someone else but i don't feel like that makes it just okay you know That's... not unless i had you know and and i and i've spoken to lakota people about this too so it's not I'm completely without relationship to lakota people um but you know, yeah, no, I can hate people who are all going to have really different opinions about it. So, but it's, <laughs> it's not it's for an, me to say whether or not I earned it, I guess, is the, is the bottom line. It's an appropriate, it's an important conversation. Like, cause since we're in this crazy time of, uh, I mean, what's happening with our world right now? There's so, but to even just to recognize a situation, it's like for me in white guilt, like I have to constantly come up against it and say, yeah, I'm, oh, did I lose you? I lost you. You're back. I know. Sorry about that. No, I, it's I'm all good. Cell phone here, so. And you're out. In, you're up there in the mountains in Grass Valley. Okay, so here's my next question: How are you friends with a giant okay. cat? <laughs> the the profile shot. Yeah, the, the picture the, the of the. You you're looking that? at the. You're looking mm-hmm. into the eyes of this enormous cat. I, I'm a cat person. I'm a crazy cat lady. Like mm-hmm. I love cats. And I saw that picture. I'm like, how are you friends with a giant cat? I mean, that's actually a pretty small bobcat as they go. Um, <laughs> large, large compared to house cats. But that was a cat that had been hit on the road. Oh. Um, so that cat was no longer alive. Oh, really? I thought you were looking deeply yeah. into the eyes of a cat. See, look at me. I completely I misinterpreted the picture. You were. I mean, I was doing that. Yeah. yeah. That, that's all still true. So... And, and so for me, when I was watching you, I was so affected and I kept like kind of putting myself where you were. It was so, oh, it was so incredible because you're filming yourself and it's like so intimate because it was almost like I was with you and that's got to be weird right. for you. And I'm wondering how like that affected you with the camera and the intimacy. But also when I was watching you, I kept thinking I could never... And you, there were times where you'd pick up an animal and look at it and be like, thank you, thank you, thank you for feeding me. And and you had to be like intimate with that animal and pull off its skin and do all that stuff. Is that, I mean, how do you do that? I, I, I Maybe I'm just so removed from <laughs> survival in life that like I just couldn't imagine. I mean, I was watching you do it and that was hard for me. Like I, when I saw Jordan with the Wolverine and I saw his little face and his teeth and I was like, I'm making myself watch this. But like, how did, was that interacting with you? With Were you just so grateful for the food that it wasn't, or that's just not freaky for you? It's just not freaky for me. That's been a part of my life for a really long time. You know, I've raised my own meat animals, um, you know, and I was vegetarian and vegan at one point. So I was like very anti-hunting and PETA and vegetarian in high school. 
Um, but once I started being introduced to ancestral skills and, you know, I went right from being vegan to processing and eating roadkill. Um, and I'm, you know, I have a science background and a deep connection with animals and it's never, it has never felt like a juxtaposition to me Mm. to love and feel connected to a wild creature and to, you know, skin it and break down its body for food and eat it. That is the most natural thing in the world to me. And to me, the barriers that our society puts up and the, the removal from our food source, that's what feels weird and wrong to me. Um, so yeah, it certainly was not an issue for me out there and nor in my life in general. See, I, um, I, I cook. One of the things I do for a living is I, I, I cook. I have no problem if an animal has no head. Like I can, I've processed so many <laughs> birds. I've deboned so many birds in my time. Like it's, but if they have a head, I can't do it. And, and I think maybe it must be something to do with the way I was raised. And I was so far removed. Even when I am working with a food source, I'm still removed from it, even when it's whole. So right. Uh, talk a little bit about Buckskin Revolution and what you're doing to try to create that connection again with people and the way we should. I don't want to say should be living our lives. That's weird. But the way we did for thousands of years and then it's just this little tiny little bit here at the end where we're so removed from it exactly right yeah um so yeah i mean you've kind of you've hit the nail on the head there that my work with buckskin revolution is to kind of um invite people back into that place of connection not just with the world around them um but with our own selves with our human communities and with with our ancestry as humans and what it is that we evolved to do. And absolutely the bodies that we live in evolved over the course of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years to, to allow us to engage deeply with the world around us. And it's only been a few hundred years that that's completely shifted to where we no longer need a lot of these senses that we evolved with. And I think that, you know, the malaise that we see in our modern society and so many people who are unsatisfied and, you know, dealing with depression and feel like there's something missing from their lives. I believe that that is because we are living lives that are so different from what we evolved to do. And that does, you know, that does leave a feeling of something missing. You know, we have all of these amazing sensory perceptions that are about engaging with the world around us. And instead we engage with screens, you know, 12 inches from our faces and we fill our senses with noises. And, you know, like right now there's a helicopter overhead and I can hear the highway and, you know, my ears evolved to the frequency of bird song and knowing what's going on in the forest around me through paying attention to what the birds are doing. And, um, yeah, I think that the degree to which we engage those skills, those senses, those parts of our body, you know, just our hands in, in fashioning things that we need for our lives, there's something deeply fulfilling about that, you know, on a level that we don't even really know how to verbalize. Um, Crafting, well, that, it's making... That's what I'm trying to share. When, when humans, I mean, we as humans, all we really have is the ability to create things, right? Either thought or stuff and I feel like and watching you craft it's uh, that was the thing okay so at the beginning of the show they don't show you for like two weeks and I get it it's a reality right. tv show and they had to show the people that were going to break their leg and get kicked off and they had to show their stories a little <laughs> bit because they were leaving and you were going to be there forever but all those things that we didn't get to see like you were just sitting on the ground weaving baskets for two weeks or like what was 
because you were, I mean, obviously you were doing things. You were. There's a lot going on in those first couple of weeks. Yeah. So it was all like um, building your amazing shelter, which was like the best shelter. I was like, I want to live there. That's. <laughs> it was. It looked warm and snug and like a real little house, but you were like mm-hmm. literally crafting all the time. Yeah, I mean, when you weren't looking uh, for well, there's food. There's all or... kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's hard to sum up. It was a huge time. You know, I mean, it starts off with the most important thing that you can be doing is, yeah, getting your shelter set and then starting to, to key into your environment and where the food sources are and strategizing how you're going to avail yourself of those. So the, that was what, you know, my first couple days were scouting my site and deciding where to set up my shelter and um, being sure that I was in the best possible location and then starting to build. And, you know, we, we had snow on day three. Oh. So it was full on from the very beginning. And so I was constantly in this place of trying to balance food, resources, and shelter. And, you know, when I woke up covered in snow, obviously that's going to nudge me to prioritize shelter um, for that day. Um, but always trying to hold both of those things and um, – Certainly the first few days were more focused on shelter for me because I knew that my body still had a lot of calories in it because we had been gorging up until we left. So I knew that my system had as much energy, you know, at the very beginning as I was likely to have. Um, And so I wanted to really focus on shelter at first while I knew I still had those, those, you know, glycogen stores in my liver. Um, wow. <laughs> and, um, but by day four, I started hitting fishing really hard. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, doing, you know, doing a lot more focus on fishing until it became increasingly clear that I was not in a location that had fish. Right. Um, you just had very, very shallow water. That must've been so frustrating that you crafted all those lures and you were out there and just sitting for hours? I mean, were you listening to the birds? Like, <laughs> did you, you just... I mean, I was doing it. No, <laughs> I was constantly, constantly active, oh. doing everything I possibly could to improve my situation every daylight hour and well into the night by headlamp. There was no downtime and listening to birds. Okay. Um, you know, <laughs> but that, like the... That's something that I was doing as I was doing everything oh, else, gotcha. you know, like part of my awareness would be there. But, um, but no, constantly, How... you know bringing in firewood, working on the shelter, you know, strategizing new ways to, to try to make fishing happening, finding, you know, scouting the landscape and seeing whether there were any other better places for fishing, going, you know, making a moose call and going into the woods and calling moose. I mean, I was, I was splitting my strategy between fishing and bringing in moose, but, that, and, you know, you were asking, like, what were the resources that I had? My site was very resource scarce compared to a lot of the other sites. I didn't have big game you know I was hoping for problems with bears because I had a bow 45 pound bow and broadheads and I would have been thrilled to have bears sniffing around my camp and that happened with a lot of other people but that's not you know I was on a narrow rocky peninsula with no fish and no big game and really actually very scarce small game because it was you know mostly bear rocks right Um, so in terms you asked earlier in terms of resources somewhere like Jordan's area where he had fish and big game and a ton of small game. I mean, he was in an area that had been burned a couple years before, which means there's a ton of vegetation regrowth. It's one of the most abundant sites that, you know, that you can possibly have. Um, and mine, in contrast, was a bare rocky peninsula surrounded by shallow water. Right, so, with where you yeah. got to – now, here's another question I have. Uh, what's your dance background? And I was so bummed that they only showed you once <laughs> with your 
because I I watched all of your YouTubes after, and you're like, I was dancing every night. I had a dance party until the last week, and um, not every night, once a week. Once, once a, week. a week. Oh, okay. But you sang the sun yep. up every morning. I, I sang the sun down There's, every evening. You sang the sun down. Um, yeah. But these were rituals. I sang the sun up a lot of mornings, but not every morning because okay. mornings were a lot more challenging, frankly. What, was it just, it was so <laughs> cold? Maybe all the more reason. Was it getting out of bed was just yeah, so difficult? Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, it yeah. was cold. I mean, <laughs> as time went on, things just, you know, like starving for weeks on end um, and really, really cold temperatures and not sleeping well because generally when one is um, really undernourished and in ketosis, it tends to affect your sleep patterns. Um so, so yeah, but getting out of a sleeping bag into minus 20 degrees oh. and you haven't had anything to eat for weeks is challenging. Yeah. So, I'm, and my voice is a little more croaky in the morning. So, wow. <laughs> so my right. singing practice singing. is more sure. consistent in the evenings than in the morning. And, but these were rituals. So this is kind of goes back to the ancestral thing. So you were creating rituals for yourself out there. And is that what? like helped keep you grounded in and like what what would what did you find Cause i also you also made ancestral plates like you said that when you were cooking your food you were like how did i don't want to like 